So great to be back. The time off necessary. Hope you put it to good use, DeMarco. But, man, am I excited for the second half of this schedule. Geeked, recharged, ready to go, man. Um, perfect bye week, if you ask me. How right? was it? Great. What was what was the best moment of your bye week? Uh, getting to watch football all weekend. Not moving. The Sunday red zone experience Everything. that we never get to be as a Everything. fan. Everything. Yeah. Uh, games I normally don't get to watch, I got to watch from start to finish. A lot of fun. Um, did pretty good on the diet. <laughs> Didn't go nuts. Kept it in shape. I'm happy. Got up and worked out every day. Back to the preseason weight. Yeah. Uh, we'll, we'll we'll get there. Okay, yeah, <laughs> we'll get there. Y'all don't get understand what it's like. <laughs> yeah, going on chartered flights and late nights and meals being available everywhere you turn. Although they've done a better job on the plane. Yeah, all I, the bad food has been eliminated. <laughs> At least all on the, the way there, <laughs> on the way to the game. <laughs> right. But, DeMarco and I live this life where it's like we're hanging around a bunch of uh, individuals who burn like 5,000 calories per day, oh, yeah, yeah. and we can't eat like football players just because we're around football players. Some days I just want to punch Aaron. Like, you get to go to practice and burn 12,000 calories. Get to. Yeah, right. right. <laughs> <laughs> Same food. Big week for him, uh, a homecoming. He uh-huh. has played the Steelers as a Ram. He has never played in Pittsburgh since he left uh, his college career. We'll talk about that. We will hear from Aaron. On this edition of Rams All Access, in our second segment, we're going to take a deep dive into the playoff picture. What does the NFC and the NFC West specifically look like? What are the Rams playing for in the back half of this slate? San Fran looks good. San Francisco looks (laughs) good. But you know what? Yeah. Welcome to Week 10, where for once, the Niners or the Seahawks are guaranteed to lose. Which one do you want to lose? That's a very good question for that segment. Which one's better for us? Uh, I think I want San Fran to lose. Well, I don't want an undefeated team in the in the division. It depends yeah. how you frame the rest of the year. Like, what is November, December to you? What are the Rams playing for? Is there still a chance at the division, or do you just figure they're battling for the best wild card positioning they can at this point? Well, okay. Well, Dominic Foxworth was on first take, and he said that the Rams aren't going to make the playoffs. Okay, you're five and three. I mean, we've got a long way to go. How do you know that for sure? But you have to take care of your own business and hope some bad stuff happens to other teams. Green Bay did lose. Minnesota did lose. Things happen. And like you said, San Francisco or Seattle, one of those teams is going to lose for the first time or again, which is going to help you. So, But it doesn't matter if you don't take care of business. you got to take care of Pittsburgh first. But uh, who knows? I mean, some of these teams are going to come back to earth pretty quickly. Yeah, I mean, you, there is the temptation to forget that there's a lot of division games in the NFC North yeah. and in the NFC East. And in the NFC West, as we're about to find out with San Francisco and Seattle. I I think if you were just taking it straight down the line, hope for a split between those two division rivals in their remaining games and see what else falls into place. I mean, when we talk about the Niners' schedule, there is a very realistic path to 11-5 and or 10-6. and That would be a collapse on the part of the 49ers, but not when you look at who they're playing. And, And we can dig into that a little bit later, but I think your point is well taken. It's only relevant if the Rams themselves are playoff worthy. And so, yes, we're going to touch on the Pittsburgh Steelers in this program. But more than anything, the postseason's already begun. Right. And are the Rams ready to take it to that level or not? Well, you know my mindset. If you go 13-3, and you're going to be the first 13-3 and team out of the playoff, right? So win your games. Uh, beat everyone on your schedule week by week the way you're supposed to. But you finish this the way you should, 12-4, and 13-3. and Let the chips fall where they may. And if you do that, that means you would have gone through Seattle. You would have gone through San Francisco, beaten them, and beaten Arizona twice, which is exactly what you need to do anyway. Mm-hmm. So, And then you've got some of those, uh, the, the rematch with Chicago coming up. 
uh, a team that you owe, in my opinion, that's kind of struggling right now. Yeah, so, they're without a rudder at the moment. Yeah, take care of your NFC business and then take care of your, your marquee matchups with Baltimore as well. And let's see where you are in late December. As DeMarco and I always do on Rams All Access, uh, zoom into the offense, uh, zoom into the defense specific to this week's matchup with the Pittsburgh Steelers who are on a winning streak of their own. But can we take an individual look at it first? Because, you know, in my midseason review, I think there are only two surefire Pro Bowlers if the season ended today. Ooh. Aaron Donald on defense, Cooper Cup on offense. You could argue for some others, but I don't yeah. think you would win oh. with objective sources. Yes, that reminds me. I need to send an apology to Tony Steratore, the back judge. Because? Jerome Bulger's crew, about the defensive holding on the first play. Of you the didn't game like that one. With the reigning MVP, Aaron Donald. But okay. when you saw it again on film? It's, I still don't like the call. You don't like it, but you understand but it. But I get it because it's an inconsequential play. When you, when do you want that call on the first play of the game? You know, it's interesting. Yeah. Penalties are up, yeah. but most of them have been going against the offense. The illegal blindside block, offensive uh, holding, and that. offensive yeah. pass interference have seen the biggest upticks. So it's interesting that they focused on that interior defensive line hold. To me, that must have come from a primer. That's a Someone on the thing. Bengals coaching yeah. staff had to say, you guys got to watch or for this tonight. Going back to Atlanta, that stuff crosses over. Watch this stuff. They're trying, they're getting away with murder mm-hmm. on the first play. Look, it establishes your strike zone as a back judge. This is what I'm calling today on a play that doesn't matter. Makes sense there. But, uh, to answer your Pro Bowl question. Oh yeah, but who, who else yeah. needs to step up? Like if you say yeah. Cooper Cup, you've overachieved. Aaron Donald, you do what you have always done. Yeah. Who else individually has to have an all-pro, a Pro Bowl-worthy second half of the Rams to get to where they're trying to go. Corey Littleton, does he make a dent for the Pro Bowl to you? I mean, if you look at his numbers compared to Luke Keekley, I mean, he's got better numbers. His stat line looks better. You know what I you was know? thinking? Which, I, I'm all for Corey. Like, I, I yeah, think yeah. he deserved to go as a specialist last year. I think he is that pick six he dropped against San Francisco oh, away from being on the inside of that bubble right uh, now. That's the fish story. I mean, that's the one that. But he's at, you're right. Yeah. He's at the heart of yeah. what is a top four defense in the National Football League and right now. He makes a ton of tackles. He makes a, a, a ton of big plays. So I would put him up there uh, as a guy. Um, gosh, I, I wish you had last year's version of Greg Zerline. Uh, if you had last year's version of Greg Zerline, I think you're six and two, not five and three. I mean, definitely. he could be a game winner against the Seattle Seahawks yeah. from being in that category as well. Dante Fowler has some another nice guy. numbers, yeah. but the edge position in the NFC is just loaded. Oh, I got another one for you. Um, Samson Ebukam versus, uh, Obo Okoronkwo. I bet Obo finishes the year with more sacks than, than Samson has in a career. This year. Okay, so let's yeah. revisit that in our defensive yeah, yeah. segment because the dynamic there is interesting oh, with yeah. Clay Matthews coming back into the fold this week. Like, how do you balance out the reps at the other outside linebacker position away from Dante Fowler? That could be curious week to, week. to examine. Yeah. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> um, but the bye week from a coaching standpoint, DeMarco, as you know, always used for self-scouting, right? It's mm-hmm. generally what you hear most about with a week off. What do you think Sean McVay and his coaching staff saw when they looked in the mirror after eight games? Uh, you know, I think you are what you are, uh, especially along the offensive line. I think we know what we need to know about everyone, about from Witt on down to Rob Havenstein, what they can do, who they can't block, who they have trouble with. Uh, so you're going to have to coach around that. You know what I mean? I, I think if you're asking this group, just especially thinking of the offensive line, to be more physical than the team you're playing, that's probably not going to happen. Like this week versus Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. You're not going to out-physical them. So why try? Come up with 
a couple of different plans for that, if that makes sense. Well, it sounds yeah. like you're hinting that it might be fool's gold, the success that you had against the Falcons and the Bengals, even though there's some individual talent on those fronts. Yeah. Collectively, they are not the Pittsburgh this, Steelers. This is a physical group. San Francisco's physical. It doesn't mean that you can't run the football with Todd Gurley. You just have to be a little more creative in what you're doing. Like, I'll, I'll give you for instance, like New England playing Pittsburgh. I, I would say Pittsburgh is far more physical than that offensive line, but they just formationed and personnel grouped you to death and ran everything out of everything. I think the Rams are plenty capable of doing that, being that sort of offense to run the football. All right, next we will hear from the head coach himself, Sean McVay, on how he frames the second half of the 2019 slate as we take a deep dive into the postseason picture as Week 10 gets underway. With DeMarco Farr, I'm J.B. Long, and this is Rams All Access on ESPN LA 710. What I would say is we're better equipped to know, all right, from a coaching standpoint, what are the things that we want to be able to correct from the previous eight games? What are the things now that, you know, we've got some different personnel, you know, and it's always about adjusting and adapting to your players. And and I think we've got some clarity and we feel good about the plans that, that we are going to implement in this second half of the season. Now, the nice thing is it's, it's about how do we find a way to play well in all three phases, putting it together week in and week out against the opponent that we're playing. And the approach that we take against the Steelers will be different than whoever we play the following week. Um, but I do feel better about where we're at. I think there's some clarity. And I, uh, I think all the good teams get better as the season progresses, and that's exactly what we expect from our guys. The head coach of the Los Angeles Rams, Sean McVay, with some mid-season perspective. I wanted to start there, DeMarco, because before we dive into the playoff push, can we just all agree that, yes, as we discuss other teams and their upcoming schedule, the Rams have to handle their business. We all understand that, but it seems like inevitably when I get into these conversations on social media or elsewhere, I'm sure you do, someone else replies with like, well, it only matters if the Rams beat the Steelers this week. Yes, Yes, we know. Right. We know. If you don't win five or six of these remaining eight games, at the very least, it's all a moot point. Right. And we're not assuming that they're going to, but for the sake of conversation, let's examine what else is out there in terms of the the competition that they're trying to outpace or track down. Oh, there's nothing wrong with a little forethought. I mean, looking ahead. Of course, you need to take care of business, and I still think you're... If Ben Roethlisberger were in Pittsburgh playing and healthy, um, I'd be a little more worried about this game. I think this is one that you should get if you're the Rams. I mm-hmm. think the Rams are better. So I think you're mid-pack offensively, and you still haven't gotten going. Um, maybe, look, maybe they have saved Todd Gurley for the stretch run. Do you believe that? I'm hoping so, because it's not just like his carries are down. I think he's what? 60 or 70 carries from Zeke Elliott, a workhorse back, but the Rams are less than 200 carries. I mean, that's that's below standard. That's below average in the NFL. So, I mean, I still think there is something there. Uh, so maybe they're waiting to turn it on. Hopefully that's the case. Interesting comment from Andrew Whitworth when we get to the offensive side of the program about the fact that the Rams truly haven't tried necessarily to commit to that running game. Yeah, uh, We'll hear from the veteran left tackle. But let's start at the top with the 8-0 San Francisco 49ers oh. <laughs> hosting Seattle this week. My question to you is... I hope it goes to double overtime... It, it's 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 a three to nothing game. <laughs> no, no, they can't both take losses. They they could tie. Right. Um, but like, so here's what's left for the Niners. And you tell me, are there four losses in the picture, or maybe five on the table, to open the door for the Rams to three peat? Seattle, yeah. Arizona, Green Bay Packers. Then how about this back to back at Baltimore, at New Orleans, home game against the Falcons. Home game against the Rams, they finish 
in Seattle. You know, I mean, look, I think they're good enough to beat everybody you just mentioned. If they, for sure, if if they're allowed to play their game, um, if you get caught in that 49er cycle, you're behind the chains. Now you got to throw to keep up, and they've got pass rushers that can just absolutely take your head off. So, I, I don't care who you are or who you got, you're not beating that. So. But, I mean, look, Jimmy G is still a question mark. We're still learning about him. Oh, he played a great game against Arizona, though. There could be some situations where he gets trapped a few times, turns the ball over, and we'll see what happens. I mean, they're not immune to to making mistakes or having a bad week. Um, I think they had a bad week last week, but still won the game. And now they're getting healthier. Yeah. Now they get Staley and Juszczyk. I mean, they and New Orleans are both at the top of the NFC, and getting healthier. No doubt. So, I mean, it, chasing them down, I think, is going to be hard. I mean, beating them once, I think, is definitely possible. But chasing them down for the division, uh, I think they're really, really So, if, if they get to two or three losses, yeah. we can have that conversation. Let's yeah, yeah. table it for now. Let's assume, I think, as well, that 7-1 and New Orleans getting Drew Brees back and what a job Teddy Bridgewater did. Not only are they going to win a week south, they've got a clear path to a bye. I, I think, like, 13-3 and is their floor right now until we see something to indicate otherwise. Wise. Um, Green Bay is in the three spot. They look like the front runner in the north with good reason, even though they lost ugly in Carson. They're at seven and two. They take on the Carolina Panthers this week. Um, and then the four spot to me is kind of a placeholder in the NFC right now. It's very likely the East champion ends up here. I don't know if that's going to be Philadelphia or Dallas. You tell me if you have a strong lean either way, but that to me looks like the four seed now with Dallas having three losses and Philadelphia having four losses. I lean Dallas. Uh, I like the quarterback. I like the running back. I, I, I just lean Dallas over Philadelphia. Okay. Yeah. Um, so let's leave Dallas where they are at four then. And then you get into the wild card framework. And that would be where we arrive at Seattle at seven and two going to San Francisco before their bye. And that would lead me to believe that it's best for the Rams, as tough as it is to say, to root for the 49ers. I feel week. you. And, and chase down Seattle, which I think is entirely possible. Um, but you're betting against Russell Wilson, who could be the MVP. Could be. Yeah. I, I honestly, I would probably vote for him as the MVP today. Yeah. He's the MVP. San Francisco's the better football team. Um, who knows? I mean, I, I still think you have a better chance to catch Seattle than you do San Fran. I think they've just got it, especially with Seattle's remaining schedule. Yeah. By week after the 49ers, let's say they, they lose at San Francisco. They go into the bye at seven and three. At Philadelphia, home to Minnesota, here in Los Angeles against the Rams, at Carolina, and then they finish with division games against Arizona and San Francisco. Wow. Okay. That to me feels, that's a tough stretch. that to me looks <laughs> like, that, that says 10 and six. Yeah. That's a tough stretch. Going to Philly, uh, you got to play the Rams again. And, you know, the Rams and, or Russell and Aaron Donald are, are, they really know each other. You know what I mean? You have the equalizer there. So, yeah, I mean, 10 and 6, I could see that happening for, for Seattle. And Russell Wilson winning the MVP mm-hmm. on a 10 and 6 team, no doubt. In the sixth spot right now, clinging to it, Minnesota at 6 and 3, having lost in heartbreaking fashion against Kansas City. And how about this road trip to Dallas next? Wow. Um, to me, this is yeah. the game of the week in terms of the playoff framework that the Rams are trying to achieve. When does the clock strike midnight for Kirk Cousins? Or maybe it won't this I time. I mean, after his receivers nearly revolted, <laughs> they went on a nice little spurt there, and yeah. he he was performing at a Pro Bowl level. And Dalvin Cook, that's the kid who gets the bike that lives next door to you. Mm-hmm. Boy, I wish you had. I wish we had that. My goodness, this guy really can carry a football team. Who do you think wins this game? Vikings or Cowboys? You know, I think the Vikings actually get him. 
I think the Vikings actually edge them. I really do. Cowboys that look vulnerable for three quarters too. in New York on Monday night. Yeah, that that defense is stout. Um, I love the way that uh, that they're running the football. These receivers are dynamite. Is Thielen going to be healthy for the game? Don't know. Okay. Well, if he's healthy, then I'll definitely take Minnesota. But I still take Minnesota. A uh, couple of teams behind the Rams that I, I still think warrant attention. Carolina, though, they go to Lambeau next. I think they have a schedule that shapes up to bring 8-8 eight and eight into play, and the Rams have the head-to-head there. The one that I'm still checking the rear view for is Philadelphia. On a bye week, 5-4, and four, they come out of it against the Patriots. Were they to win that game, I think they become a problem in terms of the wild-card structure. There's no way they win that game. There's know. no way they beat the Patriots. I still look come at Philadelphia, on. and I, and it's it strikes me as a roster that's talented enough to play yeah into the final weekends of, of this season, and, but, but we shall see. And Michael Brockers was right <laughs> about the Patriots. <laughs> to, w- without giving away all the trade secrets, what did he mean? What did he mean? We were talking about New England and that defense, and he asked us after on the bus, mm-hmm. is New England's defense legit? And I said, of course they're legit. And he says, well, who have they played? Pause. Especially offensively. Like <laughs> offensively. What, what quarterbacks, what offenses have hmm, they played? You might be right. And then Lamar winds up beating them. And, and they get a Ravens offense <laughs> wow. that's averaging 200 yards wow. per game on the ground and 200 yards yeah. through the air. And to me, that's going to be the litmus test for the Rams defense. We'll talk about that upcoming. Rams All Access is brought to you by ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Try ZipRecruiter for free. Just go to ZipRecruiter.com slash Rams. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash Rams. Two final thoughts. Two teams ahead of the Rams in the standings are guaranteed to lose this week. Again, with the caveat of ties being in play. Either San Francisco or Seattle, either Dallas or Minnesota. So yes, as we began this segment by saying, the Rams have to handle their business. We take that as a baseline expectation. But if they do, say they go to Pittsburgh, extend their winning streak, good things are going to happen in terms of the playoff framework. And then it's really on as you come home to take on the Bears and the Ravens in primetime, and that's where we are heading next. Offensive and defensive breakdowns for the Rams as we head into Week 10 and a trip to Pittsburgh. You're listening to Rams All Access on ESPN LA 710. You can overdo stuff in anything you do, and football is no different. You do want to take some time away, especially during the bye week, and with that being said, it's it's hard. You know, you you do want to get up here and work out and watch film, and and, and you do. I mean, it's it is hard to completely shut it off, but uh, you do want to take take some time to let your brain relax and and let your body relax, like you mentioned. Jared Goff on his bye week among the highlights, uh, dressing as Andre Agassi for Halloween. Did you see that photo? Dressing as Andre Agassi, yeah. like nineties or yeah he pulled it off really well okay i liked it yeah the wild boy you know what be more like that on the field i like that yeah <laughs> see i was gonna go the other direction be i was gonna guy. say you know goff hasn't been sacked or committed a turnover since the 49ers loss albeit against lesser competition in atlanta and in london and now i think a really good test you're going on the road after the bye and pittsburgh has the second most takeaways in the league behind the patriots you know they're good uh you know when i think of rob havenstein and andrew whitworth going against bud dupree and watt on the other side that issues i mean they're smaller guys remember what shaq barrett did mm-hmm. i mean absolutely tortured those guys so they've had problems with those small outside linebackers and both of these guys are playing well i think they have 13 sacks between them um so if you get in those third and long situations you're in trouble let's just be be honest, uh, they're probably going to get around you and affect Jared Goff, how he has to set the throw and how you're blocking these faster guys. So you would think you're going to have to run the ball at him. 
You've got size. You've got strength on these little guys. Run the ball at them. Keep them flat. Make sure your third downs aren't too long to keep them at bay. But if you get into those second and long, third and long situations and you're in Pittsburgh, it's a certainty. They're going to get to Jared Goff. You know, to that point, I had an interesting conversation on Rams Revealed this week, our weekly player podcast that you can find wherever you get your podcasts with Andrew Whitworth. And among the topics that I posed to him is that the perception is that the most concerning position group on the Rams this year is the offensive line. And that I think you could set a narrative that the Rams can go as far in November, December, and maybe into January as the offensive line takes them. But it's still a young and unproven group all the way across the line to the right shoulder of Andrew Whitworth. Here's kind of his one-minute take on what the offensive line has done so far and what's ahead of them. You have to understand young linemen are going to have to learn and they're going to have to grow and they're not going to just step in and play well immediately. I mean, that's just, that's just not reality. I mean, you can't find that anywhere in the league. They all make mistakes. They might can do certain things well that you've taught and you fundamentally got them good at, but there's always going to be that new problem, that new thing that, Oh, you know what? Like you had to experience it to actually get the opportunity to learn to be better from it. You think about it. Every rusher they face, they're, they're learning how fast the guy is, how strong the guy is, how good his moves are. You know, I mean, how good he is with his hands. I mean, you can only, your eyes and watching film can only tell you so much. You got to be able to feel it and know what it feels like. And so every week is, is a learning experience. And, and I remember being a young lineman and what it was for me. I mean, requiring and asking those guys to be perfect is just, uh, it doesn't make much sense. And, and it's not reality, to be honest. And so I would argue these guys are getting better every week. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's what development is. And, and let's see how it plays out. Let's see how they finish these eight games. Let's see what the future looks like with these guys in there after eight weeks is over. That's Andrew Whitworth, who, among other topics, said he'd be willing to play in 2020, body, team, and wife willing, of course. You better ask your family first. Yeah, 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 we'll we'll get there when we get there. But how about like kind of his overall perspective on the group of five up front? With David Edwards stepping in at left guard, which has had some positive benefits. Are we going to like follow Whitworth around like we did Brett Favre with the airplane? Is he coming back? Not. There's a limo coming to Ramsburg. That stuff. That's fun. (laughs) No, but he's exactly right, man. I think Brian Allen is a great example of what he's talking about. He's learning. He's learning on the job. He's taking his beats. He's getting better each and every week. Uh, you don't see him getting mauled by the same guy twice. Uh, it may happen, but once he gets the speed, the strength of the guy, he blocks him pretty well. Uh, David Edwards is going through that. Uh, back in Atlanta, Grady Jarrett absolutely suplexed him on the first play of the game. I mean, about five yards down the field, but he got a, a, an idea of how strong these these guys are. Geno Atkins, too. Um, Austin Blythe, moving out to him. Uh, he's been a starter. He's been pretty lucky. He came in for Jamon Brown, never gave the job up, and we were expecting a lot out of him. What happens to him early? Now he's got an ankle. He's uh, got to deal with that. Do you think he benefits from the bye as much or more than any oh, yeah. other lineman in terms of getting all the way right? You get a, you get to put your foot in a bucket and just let it heal for a week instead of constantly pounding and hurting mm-hmm. the thing over and over mm-hmm. again and try to you know keep up with these 350-pound guys. So he's going to benefit from the bye week, but he's learning. I, I have to be a starter. I can't miss a day. I can't miss a rep, but I'm also not 100%, and I have to find ways to be effective on game day. So... What Witt said is exactly right. All these young guys, including Austin Blythe, who's got some starting experience, they're still learning on the job. I wondered if the bye week might be an opportunity to get Austin Corbett up to speed and plug and play. And I'm not sure if that means putting him at right guard and freeing up Blythe to play center. I mean, there's a lot of potential puzzle pieces and moves that you could have done. But knowing the Rams as we do, don't you think the default is to continuity and keeping things in place and using Corbett more as insurance and depth behind the first five? 
five. I love his body type, and as long as you can get him up to speed where you can run the entire playbook, then so be it. And how long have the Rams had him now, Corbett? How long? How long? A uh, couple of three weeks. Okay. Well, I mean, with this coaching staff and the way they do things, if he can't pick it up by now, then they were wrong on him. So I would think that he's a guy that you can plug in and at least get you through a game mm-hmm. right now. Rams All Access brought to you by ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Try ZipRecruiter for free. Just go to ZipRecruiter.com slash Rams. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash Rams. With DeMarco, I'm JB. This is Rams All Access Week 10 edition. The other big news on offense, Brandon Cooks, who was concussed for the second time this season on the opening drive in London. Uh, Scene specialist in Pittsburgh. There's reason to be optimistic for Brandon individually in his future, but also for the Rams and what he might be able to contribute this year. That being said, he's not going to play. Play in Pittsburgh. Good. Josh Reynolds steps in, and here's the silver lining that I find: Let's is go. unlike losing Cup last year, this doesn't figure to be an instance where the Rams regress at two wide receiver positions. Like I love what Robert Woods did moving inside to try and replace Cooper Cup, but when that happened, you got worse in the slot and you got worse at Robert Woods's position. Right. I think here it's a one for one swap, and they're also more multiple in terms of their position groups and how they're deploying Gerald Everett. And they it, like they can do everything from any spot, yes. all those receivers. And Josh Reynolds gets a chance to line up at one spot or be a starting receiver in practice, which is exactly what he needs. He can carry it over to game. Same thing with Robert Woods. I think that was part of the problem in London. Sometimes when you lost uh Brandon Cooks and you brought Reynolds into the game, they didn't know what position they were playing. They were late getting lined up and that caused some issues you won't have that because he's been practicing but just to Brandon Cooks I'm happy he's not playing and I've only said this a few times about a few people Chris Miller was my quarterback in 95 he was getting splattered the last one that retired him wasn't that hard if that's knocking you out if a hit like that is putting you out you may need to be think about doing something else Hmm. I would say the same for Brandon Cooks I mean it was a it was a hard shot I'm not in the helmet I didn't take the shot but that's a routine bang bang for a lot of guys. They're getting up, moving on to the next play. If that's putting you out, you need to think, start thinking about your health before football. Cooks posted on Instagram this morning that he is, and in many words, optimistic about contributing again this season. Okay. Hope he takes his yeah. time with it and gets all the prop, proper medical input. Uh, one quick thought on the running game before we break and turn our attention to the defense, and that is Malcolm Brown, also expected to be back in the backfield. But now Daryl Henderson is up to speed, and like you said, Gurley is, ah. how should we phrase it, well-rested? I think fresh, preserved, ready to go, I hope. Um, and I told you about Oboe chasing down Samson Ebicom and Sachs. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't be surprised if Henderson outrushes Todd for the rest of the year. I, I really wouldn't, in terms of attempts and yards. Well, you and I have talked about his skill set, especially in making the first man miss and breaking tackles yeah. right now, behind what the Rams have offensively up front feels like the better option on early downs. We shall no see doubt. if that's if that's how they use it. You know, my my curiosity is will the Rams get that running game on track in the back half of the schedule? I want to say yes. However, they've already faced defenses ranked 32nd, 29th, 22nd, 21st and 20th against the run. Right. So it's going to be harder not easier to do it from this point on. Well, you're not going to get bigger, stronger, or faster. You're going to have to get more creative. And Jared Goff. And, you know, Tom Brady finds a way to run the football with three different guys consistently every year because of how they do it. I think this offense and this offensive coordinator, Sean McVay in particular, is fully capable of doing that. Uh, but, you know, Todd and whoever takes it. You know, to answer your question about Todd being a closer, 
down the line? How do you sell that? Well, I would start sliding in pictures of Jerome Bettis and Fast Willie Parker. Fast Willie Parker got you from 20 to 20. The bus got you in the end zone, hmm. right? And, and the Pittsburgh won the Super Bowl with it. So, look, you, you have the horses to get it done and the skill to get it done. It's just how you put it together. On the other side of the football, Aaron Donald is going home. His first game as a Ram in the Steel City. We'll hear from him next on Rams All Access on ESPN LA 710. You know, just going, back, going out there playing at home again. You know, I, I ain't did that in a long time, so to be able to go back to Pittsburgh where you know, I was born and raised at and, and, and my whole my old family's at, it's going to be good for them just to go back and have them be there to be in the stands cheering for me. Absolutely. I mean, this is one of those emotional games, and what a way to jumpstart the second half of the yeah. schedule following Aaron Donald. Back to the Steel City. DeCastro is good. The guard for Pittsburgh, the right guard, he's good. But you're you're facing AD back in Pittsburgh, so good luck to you. I, I hope they get Ramon Foster back in Pittsburgh because he's been concussed. You're you're getting Aaron Donald in Pittsburgh. He's going back to the soil. This is Superman with the yellow sun. You know what I mean? And he's on a tear, and he's what third on the team in sacks, so he's not happy. This is good. This is a place where he knows how to perform you know, amazing feats. So this is going to be fun to watch. You know, I actually think it's better that he is in that standing in sacks, right? Because I think the edge has been developed, and now you get Clay Matthews back in there. I'm curious to see situationally how they deploy uh, him and Oboe um, and Sampson opposite of Dante Fowler, who had a big first eight games. Well, I got to find a way to put Oboe and all those guys on the field. Fowler has to be out there with Clay Matthews, with Aaron Donald. That's what I mean, like Oboe. situationally. Like now that the yeah. full complement is there, you get to see like what the coaching staff feels about who does what and in what circumstances best. And I've seen, I think we just saw Oboe at least rush over a guard or snut to it. So you can also line up there. And Clay Matthews is a guy you can line up just about anywhere. So... When it comes time and you need to get a sack or get pressure on the quarterback, who's your best four pass rushers? Get them on the field regardless of where they line up. Next two defenses, the Rams are next two offenses, I beg your pardon, the Rams are going to face relatively dreadful Pittsburgh and Chicago, just as Atlanta and Cincinnati were before them, quite frankly. In fact, the highest percentage of three and outs this season, Jets, Washington, Bears, then Steelers. Boy, well, I mean, good test for the secondary. I mean, knowing where to line up and how to keep guys covered up. Lost in the euphoria of London was the fact that the Bengals moved the football on the ground with Mixon. Yes. I mean, absolutely hammered them running the football and something Andy they Dalton. had they had yeah. not been able to do at any level right. of success until that game. So you'd have to think Mike Tomlin thinks that they can run the football on the Rams, and he's probably going to try. And then Andy Dalton had some success when they got up what. When the Rams were up 14 points, I think he threw it 25 times, and the only time he wasn't really successful is when you sacked him. You know, so he was having success, but you're going down a notch to Rudolph from him. So, but another good opportunity for the Rams secondary to at least get lined up and understand each other and how to play different uh, receivers. He's DeMarco Farr. I'm JB Long. We will do four down territory coming up and get the latest on the injured running backs for the Pittsburgh Steelers. But since you dropped the secondary in, how about Jalen Ramsey against Juju? He's now integrated. He's now up to speed. And I have two thoughts on this. One, can't wait to see him lock up some really prime receivers from here on out. And then I also think Troy Hill might be the most targeted defensive back in the league in the second half of the schedule. And he's coming off a fine, competitive, feisty performance against the Bengals. You know what I like about Troy Hill? I think he's used to it. it it's not going to shock him. I think he knows how to play. He's used to being that guy. He, he knows how to play within that. When 
teams are coming at them. Play off. Uh, if they do catch in front, that's all you get. You're down. Live to fight another down. Uh, on the other side, Ramsey and, and Juju, you've got them. Sew the vest up. No Velcro. This doesn't come off. You've got this guy. Take him away. Let's have some fun. You know what's interesting is I was reading about the Ravens and their success, and you talked about you know Lamar, and they are forcing with their you know Roman scheme teams to come out of their man-to-man defense. Yeah, <laughs> the Patriots, as you know, love to play man. Yeah, had to come out of it, got beat when they You've played got it. No choice with this guy. And so as you look down the schedule, yeah. you know Jalen Ramsey came in to play press man, right? Right. And I think the next couple of weeks you'll you'll be able to see that in full force. But if it goes the way you think it's going to, and if Lamar Jackson and the Ravens offense stands on track, they're going to have to flip that script <laughs> right. for Monday Night Football to figure out a way to beat the Ravens. Oh, this was way back when, I swear, when I was in college, Oregon State was the only team running the wishbone. So everything you did just went out the window whenever you faced them. This is the package we have just for them, and when we're done with this, we'll get back mm-hmm. to doing what we normally do. Mm-hmm. But we have to be successful because he's proven he can beat anybody. Yeah. Uh, how about in the middle? I mean, yes, Corey Littleton, we've talked about having oh, a, a Pro Bowl eight games under his belt. But Bryce Hager's still not practicing. Troy Reader got plugged in. You brought in some help in Kenny Young. Like, where do you think they go in the middle from here on out? I keep looking every time, and, and uh, this is bad to say, but every time he makes a play, Corey Littleton, either tackles or big play, strip sack, what have you, I think, well, you better appreciate this before he prices himself out mm-hmm. of here. And I think that's where he's going. You're, you have a hard time finding a middle linebacker who covers as well as Corey Littleton. I mean, and that is highly valued in the modern NFL. If you're looking for top middle linebackers and you're just looking for numbers alone, if you look for Luke, Luke Keekley and you think he's the gold standard, Littleton is right near him or above him in certain areas. He's having a fantastic year. And he's an all-star on teams. Yes, He'll block a punt on you. <laughs> Do you think that will continue into his next contract, by the way? Uh, I'm sure that's going to come up. That's going to be a part of the pay scale. Yeah, I'm going to pay you for playing middle linebacker and on teams. Mm, it's like a return guy. Yeah. There's a standout on the Pittsburgh defense that we need to talk about before we're done because Minka Fitzpatrick has come in and altered the Steelers in their back end. What does that mean for Jared Goff in the passing game? Plus, DeMarco Farr will be asked to put his meteorologist hat on. Yes, we're going to check the weather report before we're done tonight on Rams All Access. You're listening to ESPN LA 710. All right, we continue with this edition of Rams All Access, and it is time for Four Down Territory, our weekly trip inside opponent's territory. And Jeremy Fowler is our guest. He covers the Steelers and the NFL at large for ESPN's NFL Nation. Jeremy, my first question has to do with the Steelers' backfield, which has been in flux lately. What is the state of the running back core going into this week against the Rams? Well, it's likely going to be Jalen Samuels as the feature back with uh, Trey Edmonds, who was elevated last week, up again. Uh, James Scott has got a chance this week. Uh, it's, it's not considered a season-ending issue uh, with, with his shoulder, but he's got to work his way back. So Friday will be the big day to determine that at practice. If he can go, Friday, he should be good. All right, Mason Rudolph at quarterback at times has looked good enough not to lose, especially during this winning streak. But my question, Jeremy, is he good enough to win the Steelers a game if this comes down to a fourth-quarter drive? Yes, in in short, because he's a guy who wants to let it rip and go deep and vertical by nature. He largely has not done that either because the coaches have had a restricting game plan or he just kind of got – too enamored with the easy completion, but I expect him to bounce back and go deeper downfield. Maybe not targeting Jalen Ramsey all that much, 
but, but they know they need to do it, and uh, otherwise they don't really stand a chance. But, yeah, he's going to stretch the field. All right, Jeremy Fowler is our guest. He covers the Steelers in the NFL for ESPN's NFL Nation. This is Four Down Territory. Question number three, let's flip sides of the football. This looks like a very good defense. Stout up front, the linebacking core, especially on the edge, really dynamic. And then adding Mika Fitzpatrick as a free safety has been a huge trade. Jeremy, do they have an Achilles heel on defense? Where might they be susceptible? Well, I would say uh, on the defensive line, losing Stephon, too, it was big. He was having a career year before he went down uh, with the torn pack. And so, you know, their depth there is not great. So you, you need Cam Hayward and the established guys to be really, really good every snap. And uh, he can do it, but that's a lot to ask. So uh, if you can get the running game going as a result, I do expect the Rams to try to run it early to establish that. Um, then you could run into some problems and you got the linebacker scrambling a little bit. It's just the Steelers are hit or miss with the run. Sometimes they're great against it and it affects everything else. Sometimes they're terrible. So uh, if the Rams can, can make them that on the ladder, then they'll be in good shape. Jeremy, let's summarize with this. I've read a lot about uh, the Steelers getting rid of the September stench in the midst of this homestand and their winning streak. What do you think? Are they postseason contenders or pretenders in the AFC? Uh, neither, really. I think they're right in the middle. I don't, I don't really have them predicted to make the playoffs. If they do, it's because of, of the schedule being relatively soft. They still get Cincinnati. They still get Cleveland. Um, they get Baltimore, but that's a team they've always uh, traditionally played pretty tough. So, um you know they've uh, they've benefited from a soft schedule of late, and that's why they're four and four. It's a great coaching job by Mike Tomlin, considering they have minimal offense uh, and no Ben Roethlisberger. But because of those factors, it's just going to be hard to to keep up over sixteen games to to win. You know, ten or eleven games and get into the playoffs. I just don't see that. But I think another eight and eight is probably in order, which considering uh, what's happened this year with the injuries, is a pretty good job. That's Four Down Territory, and he is Jeremy Fowler. Jeremy, thanks for some time as we prepare for Week 10 in Pittsburgh, Rams and Steelers. Yeah, anytime, guys. Thank you. And Rams All Access is brought to you by ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Try ZipRecruiter for free. Just go to ZipRecruiter.com slash Rams. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash Rams. Wrapping things up with DeMarco Farr before we get on a plane and head to the Eastern Time Zone again. Oof where the Rams are undefeated under Sean McVay, Eastern time zone and beyond, also in the regular season yeah. against the AFC. Can they keep that streak intact? I haven't had much luck there, man, in, in Pittsburgh. At Heinz Field? At Hi- What's it like? Bad. What's it like playing there? It's it's tough. I mean, you don't want to be you know the opposing crowd there. It's not violent, not scary, but everyone's for the Steelers. And it seems like, yeah. it, you know, heard that phrase I used with Jeremy, the September stench, that came from Coach Tomlin. It seems like they've gotten through that, and they're – about as happy as a 500 team can be. I mean, they are yeah. right on the bubble as well in terms of the AFC wildcard. They're solid. I mean, if they had all their parts, um, you know, I, I, they're missing uh, Stefan Tuitt yeah. uh, on defense. That made them special. They're missing Big Ben on offense. So you see what the plan would have been. And with the team that they have right now, the fact that they're still in it, uh, it speaks to how well he can coach. I mean, one of the great trades in the league this season, Minka Fitzpatrick, oh, uh, four interceptions since joining the Steelers in week three in exchange for a 2020 first-round pick. And his mother was right. If you remember the story, his mother took a Miami reporter to task for criticizing the way Fitzpatrick started this season on a dreadful roster, mm-hmm. a dreadful team. But Melissa Fitzpatrick said... He should not be playing strong safety. 
He is a deep middle safety, and sure enough, that's where Pittsburgh has put him, and he has completely eliminated the downfield passing game for opponents. It, it's funny what happens when you, you actually put a guy at the right spot. I mean, he can play. He's, you know, he's 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 a great safety when he has to come up on the run and he tags these running backs. I mean, he can bend steel and he can also, you know, be as light as a feather in pass coverage and mm-hmm. pick you off and take it the distance. I think. Um, uh, the Colts just found that out. So another tough guy in the middle of the field. You don't want to be throwing hospital balls, Jared, around this <laughs> well, guy. I, that, yeah. that's, that's a perfect setup because where I was going next is Bud Dupree and TJ Watt, outside linebackers, yeah. have the potential to make Jared's life very difficult on Sunday. So here's where the weather comes in. I've been watching it. I'm sure you have too. As of this moment, it looks good. Good. Above 50 with the high. They've taken the snow out of the forecast. But nonetheless... I went and looked at Jared Goff in sub-45 degree temperatures because as the sun sets, that's going to be about where we are. Remember these games, 2016 at New England, 2016 with an interim coach, Bones Fossil, at Seattle, 2017, the NFC West clincher at Tennessee, 2018 at Denver. That was when Todd Gurley ran roughshod over the Broncos, and then last year in Chicago, a dreadful performance. Those are the cold-weather mm. games that Jared Goff has played, and to your mind's eye, you probably don't remember too many of them fondly, let's say. No, no, no. All bad in the cold for Jared. But, I mean, when you're playing Pittsburgh there and it's cold, it's never going to be cold to them. Really, it's never going to be cold to a stealer. So, and they feed off that. If they see that you're cold, they get energized. So don't even worry about the weather. It could be a monsoon sharknado. Don't worry about it. Just play football. Play your best. Adam, he's pretty good at this meteorologist thing, right? Adam Bronson, our producer behind the glass, teeing up to Marco Farr. Look, we spent a whole segment on the playoff picture, right? And we're going to be talking about it from now until the new year. But let's face it. Meaningful football in November and December. The playoffs, from the Rams' standpoint, have already started. Absolutely. You're here now. I mean, a, from a football purist, a, a a guy that loves it, you're going to Pittsburgh with the season on the line. What could be better? Pretty cool. Pretty cool. <laughs> For Marco Farr, I'm JB Long. Well-rested after the bye. Revamped. Ready to go. The playoff push starts in Week 10 in Pittsburgh. We will talk to you three hours before kickoff from Heinz Field. Thanks for listening to Rams All Access on ESPN LA 710.